Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Cutback Podcast, where we keep our head on a swivel to bring you our living room commentary on the latest and greatest from the world of sports and the business that surrounds it. I'm Ian Burley. I'm Cullen Munns, and we're off and running. We are back. One uh, one short week off. Labor Day hiatus. Yeah, we were just respecting the holiday and uh, making sure we weren't working too hard and uh, just took one week off, but we are back. And there's a lot, lot on the plate this week. The irony of that, though, Ian, is that we were actually in the same space for the first time, <laughs> for the first time in a long time, and we couldn't couldn't pull it off. That's true. Yeah, and it's crazy because I was thinking about like, is there a way that we could actually just record this in person? And I am not technically savvy enough to have figured out a solution to how we could have recorded in the same room and not had echo and all this crazy shit. We probably could have, but you know. It's we just have, out of our wheelhouse. We should have flown in uh, producer Kennedy on that <laughs> on that uh, hellacious cutback podcast budget we have. <laughs> yeah, she would have been flying in style on those. Uh, who was it? Like Frontier Airlines uh, teased like seats without backs. That would have been where Ooh. producer Kennedy was sitting. <laughs> hey, you know when you got that corporate money like uh, it's corporate <laughs> the cutback pod. And this is just another another weekly check. Is producer Kennedy still listening to the show? We will find out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> I haven't heard from producer Kennedy in a while. <laughs> but uh, things are going. I mean, it's kind of on fire over in Oregon right now. Um, yeah, quite literally. So, so I'm going to give her a pass. Yeah, T's and P's to all of our friends out in Oregon right now. Absolutely crazy. I've got a good buddy who. Uh, lives and works on a farm just outside of Eugene Springfield area uh, they were evacuated early like Labor Day evening they were evacuated middle of the night um, and that was even like a day or two before the fires really took social media by by storm and uh, it's just a crazy situation crazy situation we were both out there at a time where smoke was bad in 2017 from wildfires yeah. that were like 70 to 80 miles away now there's fires that are within like 10, 15 miles of the city. It's it's crazy out there. It, it's every. I mean, I'm sure everybody listening has seen the the pictures and and whatnot on the internet. But it's literally orange. Like everything is orange. It just looks like it's all in flames. It's a uh, it's really a scary deal. I mean, as if 2020 wasn't scary enough. Uh, it seems like every week just piles something else on. Yeah, let's let's just put the whole West Coast quite literally on fire. It's it's nuts. But as we mentioned at the beginning, we were off last week, so we got all kinds of stuff to get into this week. Uh, it's an interesting week. We're doing this early Sunday morning. It's it's NFL Sunday, big day. Uh, I'm excited. I, I wasn't sure how I was going to feel with with football coming back, with everything else that's going on. Um, and yesterday with college football, kind of really getting into the swing of things it was a little weird as like michigan fans is there's no michigan football but there's other teams that are trying to play and and we'll get into that a little bit later just the general state of college football but as a fan of a team that is going to play today i'm a little juiced up ready to go no so let's get it out of the way early uh are the lions going to start the season one and oh against uh you know mitch trubisky and the bears Man, I was uh, thinking that it was a complete lock basically until like Thursday <laughs> and Thursday injury report comes out. Kenny Galladay pulled a hammy. As far as I know, he's not playing today. Um, actually just saw this morning that our first round pick corner Jeff Okuda is also not going to play today. 
he was already slotted to kind of be like a nickel corner. He he wasn't in the two deep for some reason, or, or at least not one of our starting corners, but still not not great when all of a sudden within the first or the last few days before your first game, two of your like hypothetically best players are getting injured. So I don't know what to expect. I have no idea what to expect. I, I don't see how the Bears offense is that great, but I assume they're going to have a good defense. It's in Detroit for whatever that matters. I think we'll be able to put up points even without Kenny Galladay. I don't know if we're going to be able to stop anybody. I have no idea. Let's let's just have a Big 12 shootout in hit Ford Field where it's 72 to 70 and just let's go. Big 12 uh, is now renamed the Sun Belt Conference uh, going forward. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ. That, that's something that I want to get into or that we can get into a little later here. But let's uh, let's jump into a few work topics. The first one, this happened uh, just over a, a week ago. University of Utah furloughed its entire athletic department, including athletic director and head coaches. Uh, what do you think about this? Were you surprised? Is this a ominous uh kind of fortuitous picture of what's to come well i think to me this is should just be the sign um to everybody out there saying that the big 10 and pac 12 need to come back like it and come back and play in may or whatever i think this is just a sign that's not happening like i think this is a sign that we're they're committed to this like coronavirus plan whatever it was um and I just think it, it that's the should be the signal. But I also think it's strange how on the national media level, uh, you hear a lot more about the Big Ten canceling and, and not playing as opposed to the Pac-12, uh, which is obviously Utah. Um, and I find that interesting uh, because you haven't seen any of the Big Ten universities furlough anybody, furlough like entire athletic departments, and they're in the same boat. Yeah, there's a couple interesting things at play there that I've kind of seen. Um, I think the first is probably both of our little bit of conspiracy theory. That's probably not all that much of a con- of a conspiracy theory where it's very political <laughs> when you think about uh, states that are in the Big Ten <laughs> versus states that are in the Pac-12 and who it may benefit to pander to uh, individuals that live in those states. And then the media obviously hopping on that. But, um, geez, this was like a month ago when this first happened, when the Big Ten was like first starting to have coaches and players um, and athletic directors show disdain for the decision. And the Pac-12 was was like very silent, like coaches weren't saying anything. Athletic uh, directors weren't saying anything. I can't remember who I heard it from, but it was in an interview where they they said that the Pac-12, when they made their decision um, and consulted medical experts, in their panel of people, the presidents and like chancellors of the university also, uh, after the fact, showed that presentation and made that presentation available to all of like the coaches and athletic directors. So there's this kind of thought out there that in the Pac-12, these coaches and athletic directors saw this presentation, um, which caused the presidents and chancellors to make the decision and basically said wow based on this presentation we would have made the same decision um so it's kind of radio silent over there and people have. how does that presentation how is that presentation only segmented to part of the country though why hasn't that presentation been uh, on a given on a national scale why doesn't every 
university have access to that information. Like, well, and the, yeah, that's that's part of the big problem that we're at here. Where um, I was actually going to bring it in, it, it 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 falls in with the testing as well. Where each conference and even each school is relying on their own panel of medical experts, and they are kind of out on their own, even to create deals with either their university health system or different private sector um, like health corporations. Uh, to cut like rapid testing deals like the Pac-12 just signed a deal with Quiddle Corporation. Um, Big 10 schools are basically operating completely solo. Um, I believe that's that's the case in like the SEC, ACC and Big 12 as well. So there's no like overarching NCAA voice. There's seemingly no sharing of information between conferences and it seems that there's even situations where there's no sharing of information between schools that are within the same conference. It's just like uh, everybody wants to come out. It's like some sort of weird competitive advantage. I, I, and it doesn't make any sense. Like this is like a public health thing we're playing with. And the first, the most important word there being public, like it should be, <laughs> it should be everybody's health we're concerned about. And it's like, we're playing a game of, clue against each other trying to figure out the mystery but we're not sharing all the information you know yeah and i man i wonder if it's because they feel like if they can figure it out first or have some sort of a better solution that that allows them an advantage in like recruiting or an advantage from a revenue standpoint i think that's probably a little bit of a stretch um even like i'm kind of sick and tired of hearing people say like oh the the ACC and SEC are going to use this fall as a recruiting tool against the Big 12 and the Pac-12. It's like, I think that's a little bit of a stretch to say that Alabama is going to go in and say, oh, uh, Ohio State hates football. They, or the Big 10 hates football. Like, come play here because we'll play even if the world's burning. Like, is that really going to sell sell some 18-year-old kid? You think Probably. so? Yeah, I, I really do. I, I, well, I don't know if it'll sell the 18-year-old, but I think the coaches will definitely use it. I definitely think that when you're those recruit when you're out on the recruiting trail, that will get brought up. Now, it, whether it impacts the, the actual recruit or not, that's a different story. But I damn sure think that the coaches will say that. Yeah, it's uh, man, because I'm sitting here thinking that that could be that could go either way. Like a coach could say that to a, a family. And a family could either think that's a great thing or think that that coach is an idiot, right? Yeah, exactly. But I also think it depends on where you're recruiting this kid. If you're trying to recruit the kid in California, uh, probably we're going to keep that little nugget tucked in your back pocket. Yeah. And but if you're recruiting the kid in Alabama or out of Florida or you know somewhere like that, backwoods Florida uh dust that off and take the first spin <laughs> listen we are playing no matter what rain shine doesn't matter we're getting after it let's uh at a broader level why do you think the ncaa even like let's just try and understand it from a business standpoint like why have they been so silent and why are they allowing college football to basically show that they can now govern themselves and like we've talked about for the past couple months, like are we now seeing the first steps to at the very least college football at the power five level becoming independent from the NCAA? It already is. It already is independent from the NCAA. This has shown this whole, 
and nothing short of a debacle. This debacle has absolutely shown that the NCAA is only, and when I say only, I mean only the governing body for collegiate sports not named football or men's basketball. Yeah, and I guess they hold on to a little bit more power with men's basketball because they still like own the rights to March Madness where for some reason they, you know, they they gave up the like governing rights of college football to the college football, football playoff, playoff which, right, which is its own like entity. Not sure why they would have ever done that. That seems like an absolutely silly decision um as like a business, but yeah, it's just it's crazy to me and you're seeing I, I think this is going to be wild over the next couple of years to see what the power five conferences specifically for football try and do, especially if you continue to have players um, kind of come out and make some of the demands that players have made over the past couple months. Now, some of them have been walked back, but the, the conversation of compensating college football players especially because of you know we're now seeing just how much revenue that they do kind of account for it's not going to be something that goes away and i I don't know the power five could could be very advantageous to break away from the ncaa and figure it out themselves well and i think the ncaa just is kind of sitting there recognizing that they created this monster of the that they wanted in the college football playoff and, and and in turn the power five um they created this just revenue generating behemoth of a machine and now the machine is so big and so out of control that the ncaa can't keep it under control anymore like it's it's gotten loose it's very similar to frankenstein yeah (laughs) frankenstein is off the table and he is running around yeah grounds of the castle right now that's what's happening and and (laughs) dr frankenstein literally has no idea what to do he's literally just hiding yeah yep yeah absolutely let's uh let's touch on another college athletic department thing that came out uh, just this week actually just a few days ago and hasn't really picked up a lot of steam which which has been surprising to me but the university of oregon athletic department kind of did this scenario planning exercise where they put out four different scenarios and showed what the revenue um like fallout would be essentially uh, under each of these scenarios and there was a bunch of different assumptions but at a high level there was four scenarios the first was that uh they play football and other sports in 2021 so post january 1st so this would include like basically two football seasons in 2021 because they would be making up this current season in the spring and then running it back in the fall so they have that scenario they have a um post January 1st football and other sports with no fans they have a scenario in which they play no football this year but they play all other sports in like the academic year and then a a fourth scenario in which they play no sports now under all of these scenarios they are losing at least 56 million dollars based on their projections so best case they still uh, are operating in in the red by 56.3 million dollars which of those four scenarios do you think um, causes them to lose the most money based on their projections? Causes them to, and is this lose the most money in like through 2021 or lose the most money in 2020? 
Uh, so it's based based on what I could tell, it's like the 2020, 2021, like academic gotcha. year, which then turns into like the athletic year. Okay. So which one loses them the most money? I'm going to say all the other sports play, but football doesn't. That is correct. Ding, 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 ding. $81.1 million uh, on the wrong side of the balance sheet, if that is the case. So what does that show us? It, it again goes to something that we've been talking about from the jump of like football is what allows athletic departments to fund all Everything the other else. sports, literally all the other sports. Yeah, no doubt. And, and I mean, but it, I also take that's true and that's ringing true everywhere in a power five school. But when then you flip the script, like, and I always go to Eastern as the, my example, just because they're eight minutes down the street from Michigan and it, they couldn't be any more different, but the football program at Eastern is probably, is not driving the revenue for that program for that. It's probably a bigger money suck for what it's worth at Eastern than it is anywhere else. Oh yeah. There's plenty of division one athletic departments that don't make money at all. Oh, Absolutely. But I would argue that the football program at Eastern proportionally is costing them more money than the basketball team is or, or the softball team is or, or whatever. So if, because they're not getting that revenue from the football program, the expenses are a lot higher to run a football team. Right. So you're saying that in some of those situations, like an Eastern potentially uh, not having football would actually be better for their balance sheet. Exactly. Exactly. Obviously that doesn't make sense at Oregon. And I also think this right here, this Eastern versus Oregon debacle is really what's perpetuating the power, the power five. It's, it's what's creating this haves and have nots. Either your football program makes money carries your athletic department and you're in this halves group or you're an Eastern and your football program, you have a football program, but it just hemorrhages money and is not worth, it's not worth it to keep it going. And you're probably going to start choking these schools out. Yeah. It's at the division one level, the parity, like the revenue parity, and the revenue, uh, well, I guess it's a disparity uh, because there is such a difference between what the haves and what the have-nots are making at a at a football level is just unbelievable. And when it continues to grow, that's just going to make it easier for the haves to break off and do their own thing. Right. Uh, and it's, it's really not a good situation at all. And, and now you add into the fact that a lot of the Big Ten schools a lot all of the big 10 schools aren't playing football this year and the pac-12 is not playing this year so eastern takes even a bigger chunk because they're not getting that six hundred thousand to 1.1 million dollar check from a big school so they can walk in and just get blasted um you know like purdue or something yeah i mean those your your non-power five teams especially your teams in like the mac or the Sun Belt or these other you know, not the American conference, but even the American conference. I mean, those teams, the majority of their non-conference games, two to three of them, at least they're going to play a big school to make a paycheck and likely get trounced. They're going to have a couple teams that win, but for the most part, they're going in and they're just going to collect that paycheck. And like we talked about a few weeks ago, that can, those two or three games can account for the majority of their football revenue for the entire season. Right. And you take that away. 
and then all you've got is the travel expenses, the helmet, all equipment fees, every how expensive football is just in general to play. I mean, you have 130 guys on a roster. That's in and of itself expensive. I mean, so and, and so like at a school like Eastern, their whole the football program's whole like we talked about their whole budget is predicated basically on getting trounced those first three weeks. Yeah. And, and people are like, well, what about, oh, well, Eastern, you know, they have Adidas jerseys and stuff. Adidas probably throws them some money. Nope. No, they do not. They are buying that shit. Like they are purchasing all of the gear. This is the work topic segment. And I want to throw this out. When is somebody, and I'm talking power five, when is somebody going to step up and bring back Russell Athletic uh, to be their jersey sponsor or, or Fila? Or something like Ooh. that. Let's just get really, let's get crazy and take one of those brands and be your football uniform. I mean, Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech hung on to Russell until like the past couple years. They just bring it back. They recently well, well, switched over. I, yeah, I, I think that was a mistake. They're already regretting it. <laughs> well, you know who that's on. It's does Russell have the money to throw at him? Well, I thought, I mean, no, why isn't Russell at Eastern? If Eastern's going to pay, I mean, it's pandemic pricing. Let's go. If yeah. you're going to, if you're going to pay for point. your jerseys, don't pay for Adidas, pay for Russell, baby. Yeah. that. I mean, that's a fair point. Uh, I, I want to say I saw Russell was like owning like the Little League World Series jerseys or something. Like I know we had Russell high school jerseys for uh high school football so that they're out there but yeah it was great i couldn't believe georgia tech hung on to russell as long as they did for football (laughs) i i yeah i'm proud of them i think russell should make a comeback uh but that's enough free advertising for russell come pay us (laughs) and get on the show no free rides no free rides (laughs) all right maybe uh a, a handful of more work topics here really quick uh something i saw uh, and, and this kind of transcends both the work and the play, but it hasn't been officially announced, but the general consensus is that uh, Major League Baseball is going to do a playoff bubble in which uh, wildcard games will be hosted by the top seed, but then the division championship series and the World Series will be held um in distinct locations with the AL being in San Diego and uh, Los Angeles Dodgers and the NL being in Arlington, home of the Texas Rangers and in Houston, home of Mr. Munn's very own Astros. The beloved America's team. America's team. (laughs) That is a bold statement (laughs) on this podcast. If I have ever heard one, Um, what do you think about the bubble? in general uh and then we can maybe get into what it means uh from a business standpoint as well well so i really first and foremost i want to talk about just the nuance because i think it's beautiful the way they did this um where they made the american league team playoffs go to the national league parks uh and then vice versa i think that's uh awesome because you're kind of reducing advantage um for for a particular league in, in a season where to call it weird a weird season would be an undersell um so i just think it, it was a great great thought whoever came up with it because it damn sure wasn't rob manford that was way too <laughs> elevated of a thought for him yeah. to come up with um but whoever came up with that was a, it was a genius idea to to flip them like that um i'm kind i guess i'm kind of questioning here are if 
you have a player playing in the ALDS and you have a five game set. Am I in San Diego all five games or am I in San Diego game one and two, then flip to LA three and four game five back in San Diego? Yeah. So it's like, they're going to be whatever location they get sent to. They're there. They're even talking about like putting players in a hotel, like a week before the wild card would start to like get them out of like their home lives with their family. Cause apparently I mean, outside of the Marlins, it seems because the rumors about how the Marlins spread happened are are a little out there. But Major League Baseball has also kind of said that a lot of the cases that they've had are attributed to people's family members and people getting it at home from their family member who got it from whoever. So they're even talking about putting them in a hotel before the wild card to have this incubation period so then they can run right into the playoffs but to answer your question yes if you're a division series and you're in san diego you're there the whole time you're there for all five games um the other thing that they're doing is like the top seed basically um in the nl will be in arlington for the division series because then uh, the championship series is also in arlington so they want to make it so that the top seed doesn't have to move locations throughout the division and championship series to at least give them maybe some sort of advantage of like comfortability yeah, yeah. And, and reduce travel. Um, I agree with you though. I think it was a great idea to flip flop um, divisions or leagues in terms of like where the teams play. What I'm really curious about is what do they do for these teams, local sponsors and how teams are able to activate because we've seen teams, doing a lot with local sponsors in their ballparks. We've seen all the tarps and additional signage. Um, and then we've seen teams be able to connect with their fans a lot in their own ballparks through a myriad of different ways, you know, whether it's a, a, a foul ball lands in somebody's season seat and, and they send it to them with like a little letter from the team. Um, obviously we've seen all the cardboard fans in the stands, like these are way that teams not only are being able to make money, but also continued like, those relationships with their fans how are they going to be able to do that in a neutral site are they going to allow them to come in and like change all the signage because san diego arlington houston and the dodger stadium they're already set up for those specific teams in those specific markets so i'm going to be curious as to how that one plays out because that's I, a I lot of money for teams i wouldn't be surprised if you see uh, very similar to what the NBA has done you, with the with the overlays of ads, the digital overlays. Yeah, I, I, that to me is what you're going to see. Um, I I'm not tech savvy enough, and I know I'm a, I'm a millennial, so I should be, but I'm not tech savvy enough to really understand how that works. Like if they can overlay it over an ad, like a wall sign that's already there, or if like you're going to have uh, in San Diego, they'll just drape green wall like just make it all the signage green and then they can video overlay all of it uh, with whoever the sponsor is uh, they'll work find workarounds for for the sponsors I, they always do and they need their money so and that's all it's all about the money so they'll find a way to get those sponsors happy yeah and they're they're gonna have to and what a fucking win for the naming rights partners of those oh. things no they're like, doubt. They're like, let's fucking go, baby. Minute Maid, Minute Maid Juice is just running circles right now. Yeah, I mean, you got Minute Maid, you got Petco Park for the for the uh, Padres, and I think the new Ranger Stadium is like Globe Life. 
you right? got the globe life. Don't know what the fuck that is. Dodgers don't have a naming rights, uh, but the Dodgers do have that big Phillips 66 ball. That's like, they're not covering that up. So that's staying there. So that's, yep. that's a free ride. And the Astros have that gigantic Sitco sign that's in between the light poles. That's not coming down. Yeah. This is what I'm talking about. Like, how are they going to be able to do that? I, I don't know what they're going to do. They're going to have to figure that one out because teams are not going to be happy about that part. I would imagine as a front office, you're like, yo, what, what the fuck? Usually we would get these games and they're not getting them anymore. So that'll be interesting. Excited to see how that plays out. Um, another thing that I'm excited to see how it continues to play out uh, that you put on the list here was we saw our first NFL game on Thursday. Um, Houston versus Kansas City. It was in Kansas City at Arrowhead, and they did have a number of fans in the stands. What are your thoughts? Well, I thought they were very well socially distanced. I will say that. Like it looked um, empty in there. However, I don't. I don't think. Back to my main gripe. If you have, fa- if you actually have fans in the stands, you shouldn't be able to pump in noise shouldn't be able to pump in crowd noise. Were they doing that in Kansas City? Yes, they were pumping in crowd noise in like in the stadium as well. I mean like cheers and stuff, hmm. which I think is trash. I think it's trash. If you have people in the building, you shouldn't be able to artificially cheer as well. I I don't think you should be able to artificially cheer even if there's not fans in the building, but I will compromise. Was that um just for the broadcast or was that actually happening in the stadium as well? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I would have to do some, some quick research on that one, but I know over the broadcast for sure there was pumped in audio. Yeah. You could hear it on the broadcast. No doubt. I, I, I don't know that one either. I'm curious because I would agree with you. Like it seems like it has to be either one or the other. You either have fans or you get to do the like 70 decibel soundtrack that teams right. have been practicing with and say is like, ridiculously pointless but <laughs> i'm excited to see i mean most of the games we see today there's one game that's going to have fans colts at jaguars of course down in florida we're going to have fans um but all the other fan or all the other games are going to be empty outside of personal. how many fans how many fans are going to be at this jaguars game is it going to be similar to a normal jaguars game it's probably going to look like a normal game in there you think they're going to have people in the pools Ooh, they probably would you will be, would you be not? in the pools would you go to the pools dude if that might be your best socially distant option uh, good point you have a group of four you just get your own little pool and then you're basically by nobody else because i do have a little bit of a gripe where man i understand that they're putting people in pods of like two seats or four seats or whatever a lot of times those pods to me look like they're still relatively on top of each other <laughs> like these still look like they're on top of each other another interesting thing i've seen and this this goes across some college games as well from yesterday uh it seems like there's like almost two different realities in these stadiums with fans the end zones comp- like great you can go sit in an end zone anywhere you want basically and you look like a little dot in the stadium because it's yep. super spread out nobody there between the fucking 35s it's, it's go time, baby. It's yeah, general it's admission time. at a concert. Yeah. The one thing that Kansas City did uh 
which I think is a good idea. It, it kind of is like a half-assed version of what uh, Matt Hamilton talked to us about. They tarped off like the first like 10 or so rows, it looked like. I, I don't know how many it was, but from TV, it looked like they kind of tarped off like the first 10 or so rows. Brilliant. Because you got to keep fans, you got to keep Better. their air away from the player's air. I mean, right. this is rarefied air we're talking about here. You know, can't God. be we can't be sharing fucking air with the players. What are we doing? What are we doing as a country that we have to say that your air is needed to be separated from their air? That oh, I hate it. What if they I put up it. big like big barriers so literally <laughs> like the uh like the spit guards at like a subway or something that's like yeah. over, <laughs> or where sneeze you know, guard. Yeah, the sneeze guard. That would be incredible. Fans would lose their fucking shit. It could be cool, though, at like a hockey game. You got NFL fans banging on the boards. That would be gnarly. Yeah, let's just play arena football. Like, what are we Are we regressing to arena football in the age of COVID? I I think so. Shit. Your air, my air, everybody's got their own air. Listen, we got to keep our air separate, okay? We do know that for sure. I don't like your air touching my air, for sure. Listen, that's something I hope that we can maybe just continue with uh, once we get this coronavirus situation. I want to circle out. back to you in the Jaguar Stadium. Are uh, you and a couple IG models? Are you uh, you're so you're renting the pool and just going to be hanging out at the pool? Definitely, especially if that's the situation. A few IG models, we're definitely going in the pool. <laughs> at that point, I'm already risking it all. So why not? <laughs> Social distancing might go out the window if IG models are there. Yeah. If I if I was so lucky, hell yeah, that'd be a good time. Um, so yeah, so let let me there. let me transition us from uh, your your IG models. Um, we talk about kind of how the social how the social distancing looked in Kansas City, um, and the news of I guess last week too. Um, LSU announced that they're going to have uh, twenty five thousand fans in the stadium as well. Uh, do, do we do we anticipate? uh lsu being able to keep similar um social distancing protocols to to uh kansas city or how do we think that's going to look out uh it's going to look like the florida state game looked yesterday where it was just a party in the stands i mean we are partying we are full-on partying and they're gonna they're gonna play that uh that tiger song like suck this tiger dick what (laughs) and that place is gonna go wild man they're gonna (laughs) the band is gonna be blaring it's going to be a party in there for sure. 25,000 people. Uh, just two things there. One, uh, when you said that Tiger song, I totally thought you were th- talking about the Garth Brooks calling Baton Rouge song. <laughs> but no. so, so we're talking about the real Tiger song. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, two, um, I also thought it was interesting. They banned tailgating and I don't see how in the world they are going to somehow enforce this. Like if a hundred, uh, if a hundred RVs, which that's what they are in Louisiana, if a hundred RVs just stroll up on, on uh, tiger stadium, what are they going to do? T- send them all home. Like okay. <laughs> here's going to be your two. Here's going to be the two things that are potentially going to happen because they still have to let people park. So people are going to be in a parking lot and they are going to tailgate. Of course, and you're going to have one of two groups who are likely going to have to try and uh, like regulate such activity. Regulators! One, yeah. <laughs> Either you're going to have our favorite uh, CMS employees mounting up, trying to <laughs> trying to waddle people down out there. 
or you're gonna have some fucking unfortunate like lsu students who are on like a work study or something and they're gonna be out there having to try and regulate it's gonna be a shit show it's gonna be like when i walk on the lakefront trail here in beautiful chicago and you got high school kids out there trying to tell people to put a mask on and getting told to go fuck themselves the sad part is i was i was just kind of sitting here thinking like to be that kid on the work study that is horrible that is the worst job terrible 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 (laughs) You're putting your life on the line. You really are. You might catch a beer bottle to the head. (laughs) Yes. I don't think you realize how dangerous a tailgate in Baton Rouge, Louisiana is when you start telling them, oh, we're going to take your boudin away, baby. Like, like, (laughs) they they are going to be outraged. Yeah, not going to happen. Coming off a national championship win? Are you kidding me? Oh, God, no way. Ignorance is going to be high in Baton Rouge. (laughs) Oh, it's yeah. They have to bring in the queen of CMS. They should probably call Alan at the Emeralds and see if they can borrow some of those those CMSers. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> it would be fun for me to have to watch them attempt to deal with that, but uh, <laughs> that would be an absolute shit show. <laughs> I was once so in such good disguise during a uh, game running cash that I got stopped by Queen CMS herself. Why are you going in the tunnel? What are you doing down here? Hey. Bitch. You, you you blend you blend you did your job well i'm blending quit giving me away to the people here i got like twenty dollars in my backpack you're, you're putting me at risk too <laughs> oh man um speaking of lsu and college football we have quite the college football conundrum going on this is we we kind of teased oh, in the God. opening this has been really really tough for me um we've talked about it a bunch like football I love football probably more than anything in this world outside of like a handful of people, but football is like my bread and butter. It it keeps, it keeps my blood moving and what's going on in college football right now. And the different narratives that are being tossed out or not tossed out. It's just like, it's got my mind just jumbled around all the time. So let's, let's set the stage a little bit first. One thing that's not being talked about, you gotta you gotta go search it out yourself. Uh, nine plus games have already been postponed within the what now basically two weeks of college football. Um, in week zero, Austin P played with a linebacker Let's long go snapping. <laughs> they got blown out last night. Uh, actually went to a mercy rule. Pittsburgh and them agreed to play ten minute quarters for the third and fourth quarter because it was like 55 Ooh. nothing at halftime <laughs> didn't know you could actually do that but i didn't know you know. could do that either but i also didn't know you could chant let's go pee at a stadium and uh get away with it listen you could just be telling people what you got to do you know that's, that's what i'm saying <laughs> i've never chanted let's go pee it's it's just a, a, it in a group effort it's just a question you know buddy system anybody else gotta go <laughs> But uh, Virginia Tech and Virginia are supposed to play next week. That game has already been postponed. Commonwealth Cup. Commonwealth Cup, maybe. Maybe in a couple, maybe uh, later in the year. Who knows? Memphis played week one, uh, has now paused all football activities and postponed games. Tulsa, Oklahoma State, postponed. UCF, postponed. West Virginia played yesterday uh, with 11 players suspended for quote-unquote team violations, which we can assume is going to a party, putting the team at risk of the Rona. Uh, who else we got? SMU TCU postponed. SMU played week one. Marshall East Carolina postponed. Marshall played week one. 
Georgia Southern played yesterday without 33 of their players. Texas State played yesterday with a different QB from the week before. They've just swapped QBs. Week one, one QB was on the Rona list, so backup played. This week, guy who played last week on the Rona list, other guy played, Dipsy Do Switcheroo. Here we go. <laughs> like, what in the fuck is going on? And we're, this, we're not even talking about gonna, it. This is what's going to be. This is college football now. Like, this is – since we're going to go play – like and we and Dabo Sweeney and Trevor Lawrence, let them play. This is what you get. Like you get a watered down, garbage product where you don't even know if the team's gonna play. You, it might get postponed. You literally have you're sitting there, all the way up until Friday night. It could get postponed. And uh, and then even, let's look at Clemson. Didn't uh, didn't Clemson have twenty nine positive tests? I believe on their squad. Um, I, I know over the summer they had a big. A big issue. I don't know if that's current or not. I, uh, somebody, I'll fact check me. I'll I'll fact check it right now. Uh, but Clemson had some positive tests and still went and played and won. Well, and we talked about it um, a few weeks ago. We kind of teased it where Lane Kiffin, in an interview uh, around Labor Day, basically said that multiple- twenty four new cases, twenty four sorry, twenty four new cases uh, for Clemson. Wow. Yeah, Jesus. That, and that was that was announced 22 hours ago. So that that was Saturday night. Jeez. And uh, okay, so that falls in line with Lane Kiffin uh, said that multiple SEC teams would not have been able to play if they were uh, scheduled to play this week. Tennessee canceled a, a all team scrimmage because they had 44 players out. And I mean, I can sit here and understand people saying, like, why the fuck are you talking about Austin P? We don't care if they had to have a linebacker long snapper. Let's go P. Because their three long snappers were out. Well, okay, let's talk about the Big 12 then, because the Big 12 had quite the day yesterday. To start off the day, the Big 12 had three of their teams had games postponed due to the Rona. So imagine if you're a Big 10 fan, and that's uh, Michigan, Iowa, and Minnesota not playing because either them or their opponent has issues. The world's the media world is going crazy if that's the case, right? The whole state of Iowa is probably in flames. Yeah, no kidding. Well, they might be anyways now because then, so let's see, that's three teams were postponed, at least seven teams to play. Uh, three of those teams lost to Sunbelt schools <laughs> on their homes, on their home turf, Iowa state, Kansas state, and the uh, Mad Hatter, Les Miles led Kansas Jayhawks, all lost to Sunbelt schools. Mad Hatter. <laughs> uh, Texas Tech barely beat Houston Baptist. Houston Baptist. Hey, They're good hey. in, in baseball. Yeah, go Huskies. Let's but go. On the football field, Houston They're Baptist. Houston strong. That's almost tough. took down Texas Tech. Grit. They teach grit in Houston. I guess. You, you can't find that anywhere else. Then you had West Virginia blew out uh, Eastern Kentucky, Texas blew out UTEP, Oklahoma blew out Missouri State, who is a FCS, potentially a Division II school. Yeah, I think FCS. For some reason, I recall them. For some reason, I recall them playing like Grand Valley for the Division II championship a few years ago. Maybe they've moved up since then. Maybe I'm thinking of a wrong school, but regardless, so they sound like a. Didn't that where? Uh, Quattro Quattro went. No idea. To Jigalis Malgoon, Missouri State. Regardless, is the Pac like you feeling good about the Pac-12 playing football yesterday? 
No, I don't feel good about anybody play? playing football. <laughs> I don't feel. I literally don't feel good. I don't feel good about any sports. I still. I and I. I, I, I watch the NBA playoffs. I've been watching baseball. I've been watching football. Like, but I still don't feel good about what's going on. Like, I, I and that's another narrative that I think is out there that's irksome. Is I I. I Gen in my heart of hearts, love sports, and I am watching. I'm tuning in when sports are on. Uh, so you don't, but I don't agree with sports being played. Like I, I don't think we're at a. It's safe for anybody. Like a, like fans, players, any of it, the travel, all of that. I just don't think it's safe. But that doesn't mean I don't enjoy sports, and I'm not going to watch them. Like my whole career is revolves around sports. Like my whole life pretty much revolves around sports. Like, yeah, like every decision we've ever made. <laughs> right. It literally, every, it's all sports. Like, so I, I truly love it, but it doesn't mean I have to sit here and, and agree that they should be playing. Like, I don't think it, and I just think all these string of postponements and, and string of more cases and everything, it's just, it shows that. Yeah. Yeah. And it is frustrating because one, I completely agree. And it's been frustrating for me to see that as sports have come back, um, everybody was worried about how sports would kind of mask the issues. Um, And for the most part, we were talking about the social issues and social injustices and, and people were worried that sports would mute that conversation. And to their credit, they have not. Um, the no, athlete. I think it's made. I've given a megaphone. Yeah, huge megaphone, primarily led by the athletes. Um, the leagues have kind of jumped on to a, a rather minimal extent, in my opinion, outside of the WNBA. But for the most part, like the NBA and NFL and Major League Baseball have kind of just all done the bare minimum to um, at least not like completely silence the players. So that's been good. That narrative has not been muted. Um, it's been given a megaphone. The narrative that has been muted is that we're in a fucking global pandemic where, hate to break it to you, over a thousand people are dying a day still. Don't love it. Wish it wasn't happening. Like all of that. But those are the numbers are the numbers. Hate to break. Hate to break it to you. Dems the facts. We just don't talk about it. We do not talk no. about it. No, we've become so. It's becomes we're so numb to it. I think now it's because it's been going on for so long. It's yep. just like. Tell me something new, like, and then, oh yeah, the West Coast is literally on fire. Right here, that's the new news. There's a massive hurt category, whatever hurricane about to strike, it, like it, Lake Charles. What's that? Gone. Like, yeah, ten percent <laughs> of Oregon residents, ten percent of the entire state has been evacuated due to the fires. Yeah, and then add in, you know, people are still jobless. People are still on unemployed. People are still shout out. Yeah. Uh, People are still scrambling, trying to make it make ends meet, and so yeah, coronavirus is taking a back seat, and it doesn't help that you know people are choosing to ignore numbers and just going for it. Let's play, well, no matter and, what. And and we see that in the narrative of uh, the media's narrative, and and not just the media. I mean, it's basically everybody as well has been. Why aren't the Big Twelve and or excuse me, the Big Ten and Pac-12, primarily why isn't the Big Ten playing? Why is it not, why are the SEC playing? Why is the ACC playing? Like, it's weird that that is the narrative. Um, there's another narrative that I want to talk about. 
and get your thoughts on. We've talked a little bit about it off air, but it's another thing that's just kind of been ironic and kind of irked me a little bit. And it's this whole player unity coalitions that were popping up specifically in college football um, when they thought they were going to kind of be forced to play. They came out and said, hey, we want to play, but we demand proper health care and testing. Um, they went on also about like unions and wanting to be paid and having revenue shares with the NCAA for the uh, college football revenues and, and so on and so forth. And then as soon as people started saying, hey, hey, maybe you guys are right and this isn't like going to be sustainable to do, so we're not going to play. Then it became, hey, we'll we'll play no matter what, uh, but let us talk to like local police officers and walk across campus instead of practice one day and we'll be fine. That's great. That's cool with us. So they just tossed away any leverage that they Anything. had. Well, they I don't think they up. had much to begin with, but <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it's all gone. They, they're that. That to me is just they didn't organize well. It was a good thought, Trevor Lawrence. More power to you, Pac-12. It was just, it was just like a, a poorly thought out plan. It was just like uh, I don't a bottle rocket. It literally was like that was it. <laughs> well, and man, I, I'm it's unfortunate that this has now taken a little bit of us being pretty pessimistic turn here, but this is another thing I wanted to hit on. I, I actually talked to Jess about this yesterday for a decent amount of time. Um shout out Jess. She's hopefully gonna be on the show soon. If you're listening, Jess, get on get it get it in the books. <laughs> Put it on the books. So we were talking about this ESPN article that t- came out about Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, face of college football. Um, Which is garbage, too. Nobody voted for him. Yeah. Like, who who sent an email out saying, this guy's the face of college football? Well, that was part of what we actually talked about, is, like, how did he get crowned as the face of college football? I mean, I guess there's pretty easy parallels to see why he won a championship as a freshman. He's he's played two years. He's been in two championship games. He's lost one game. He's a long-haired white dude. He looks like Sunshine from Remember the yep. Titans, and he's probably gonna. I mean, since that, since he won the championship game, beat Alabama, like blew Alabama out his freshman year, he's been crowned as okay. This coming year, he's gonna be the first overall pick. So, whatever, I get it. But this article basically painted this picture in which, um, somewhat to his credit, Trevor basically said, "Hey, I'm." largely unaware of like racial injustice, social injustice, microaggressions that get used every day that um, kind of just go over my head, but are actually very harmful and uh, dangerous uh, to people of color. And so he like talked to a few of his teammates and really did a lot of listening and and so on and so forth and, and kind of educating himself. And then Clemson was one of those schools who, um, one day, like in, in lieu of practice, the whole team like walked across campus and they kind of held somewhat of a, a mini rally and had some media there. And, um, Trevor Lawrence like spoke and gave this, you know, you know, kind of did a speech about how he, uh, his experience of like listening to his teammates and, and becoming more aware and like understanding what he's unaware of and so on and so forth, which, Yes, that's great, but why would you not just like give the microphone to one of your fucking teammates and let them talk and let everybody else listen? Like you right. could actually yeah. do the action. Like why? <laughs> what, what, but 
yeah, you, what we need to he, people need to do what he did. Like you need to talk to other people. Like that's my claim is like you need to like interact with people of other races. I I think that's a lot of the issue is we we don't in, in our society. But I completely agree with you. Like in a moment like that, just hand the microphone over. Like nobody's gonna forget who you are. You're Trevor Lawrence. You're the quarterback of the national champion. Like or well two-time national champion whatever one time whatever he is he's the golden boy uh, <laughs> well and and even yeah I, I just i got done reading the article and i was like he's being espn is like trying to celebrate him right now and again this is like this is not an attack on trevor lawrence because i'm sure he's doing the best he can he's a like he's a good dude i imagine um but it just, man, it's like this is an opportunity where you can just hand over the fucking mic. And that makes an even more powerful statement. Like, listen, I'm listening, so I want the rest of you to listen as well. Bam. Well, uh, and, and let me ask you this. And this may be me, Cullen being the cynic and just not buying into the authenticity of Trevor Lawrence. Um, how much of this do you think trevor lawrence is just a mouthpiece for dabo sweeney oh <laughs> now now we got the tin hat on i don't know man uh, is that how why is that tin hat um it's probably not all that tin hat but yeah i don't know i don't know i mean we have no idea we're not in that like i have no i would assume him and dabo have a, quite a close relationship i would imagine i would too, I would too. and and it's kind of funny how like they're kind of singing similar tunes left and right and Trevor's just the player's face, quote unquote. Yeah, I mean, we know how it goes even with um like SDIs and and PR people within athletic departments and specifically with football teams. Like we've seen those guys at Michigan tell the players essentially what to say in interviews and specifically what not to right. say. So yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think that it's that far off. Um I, I do want to, I have seen Trevor, just the way he operates seems to be a little different than most. Um, so part of me wants to think that he's kind of acting on his own here, but yeah, I mean, they know that he holds a lot of power in what he says. The counter argument that I would hear it like to my own statement that he's the mouthpiece is Deshaun Watson was very similar while he was at Clemson too. Like it just kind of seems like Clemson quarterbacks have that leash for lack of a better term uh, that comes. And if that's the argument that you're going with, uh, I could see that. Like I, I could hear that, but, but I still just with everything going on, I'm not, con I'm not convinced that Trevor Lawrence isn't just a player, a mouthpiece for Dabo Sweeney that represents the players. Yeah. Very well could be. Um, one last thing on this, I know we've talked about it a little bit, but I just can't wrap my head around like schools that are playing right now. How are they doing so within the NCAA model? Because like we'll use North Carolina as an example. North Carolina played yesterday, blew Syracuse out. Uh, multiple weeks ago, North Carolina stopped all in-person classes, went fully online and encouraged students to go home, to leave campus. Right. So now you got the, but the football team's still playing. So how are they now still student athletes receiving no uh, additional 
benefits or whatever the language is in the NCAA. They're not. Uh, I mean, they it, they never have been. The the cat's out of the bag. We've already the, we peeled <laughs> the curtain back. Like, if you aren't on board, like with what we're saying, that college football the tail wags the dog. If you're not on board, you're wrong. Like, there it's just that's the case. Sorry, like it's time to come to grips with reality. Like that we're here. Yep, yep, I completely agree. And we talked about it where it's like the best case scenario for football to be able to play is that they are all basically on campus by themselves. Right. Or you create a you create a bubble on campus. Or the coaches are on their ass to say, "Hey, don't leave your fucking house or the building." And if you do, we're which they're I mean, they're doing that shit. We're West Virginia trying. 11 t- 11 guys suspended like we yeah, can read through the lines the, and know what that was. Right. You can't you can't keep 130 guys locked away in a room in college. No way. It's impossible. No, Which, so you got to hope that people aren't on campus basically. Right. Right. And this kind of ties into it to my uh crackback. But anyway, let's uh let's talk real quick. Um I want to kind of mention the US Open and the, yep. the Novak Djokovic um situation. I kind of want to get your thoughts. Um, this this is a, like a week old, but since we were on vacation last week, we're going to bring it up now. Uh, so Novak Djokovic is playing in the U.S. Open, um, and he loses a set uh, that, you know, happens in tennis. And he, he's kind of walking away, and he hits the ball uh, to, the, to the line judge or ball kid or whatever. Uh, and it had some it had some taste on it, um, <laughs> a little mustard behind it. Yeah, I mean it was spicy, but I wouldn't be like, oh man, he was like trying to take her out. Like, but anyway, it hits the hits the lady in the upper shoulder to throat region. Uh, she collapsed and was receiving medical attention, and uh, Djokovic was was uh disqualified from the u.s open um so i just kind of want your thoughts one should he have been disqualified two uh did did, was there a little bit of an oversell on the injury Ooh, yeah there's a lot at play here um i I can't say that there was an oversell on the injury because who knows everybody agreed takes those things differently we have no idea what it would be like to be hit with a tennis ball potentially going i mean it wasn't going 100 it wasn't going 100 but those fuckers hit the ball so i mean who knows i would like to think that a random ball person didn't oversell oversell an injury like they have nothing to gain from overselling an injury Um, what do you mean they have nothing to sell the lawyer in me is saying oh my god they have everything to oversell you lay on the ground with a novak Djokovic who's got one of the biggest bags in the tennis game like are you kidding me get time to get mine novak (laughs) like pay up buddy i don't know i don't know if they're and you're in the u.s open so you're on american soil so you can sue the (laughs) shit out of him well they will now after listening to this um (laughs) in terms of him getting disqualified I I don't know where I stand on that. The thing that I feel the most strongly about throughout this this whole ordeal um, was the way in which the media kind of covered it. The media was essentially on his side um, and made it kind of seem very commonplace and like he didn't do anything wrong. And the problem I have is when you juxtapose that against uh, specifically like 
how the media covers Serena when she disputes a point or shows passion yeah. and, and energy on the court. Uh, she she gets vilified for it, openly vilified. Um, so should he have gotten disqualified? I would say like probably not. Like I think in all is like if all else was equal, like I could really give a shit less if he gets disqualified or not. I think that's probably a little extreme. Um, good that they did it because they've done it to other people with like outbursts. So at least they're kind of keeping the same energy there. Um, from an organizing body, but my biggest gripe is with the media and the kind of ability to say that he was just within playing the game and being passionate, but Serena gets vilified. And it happens the same. It's like when Tom Brady freaks out on the sideline versus when Cam Newton freaks out on the sideline. Very true. And and that's a great point, and I agree with. Like Serena gets vilified all the time for for emotional – and it's called emotional and I don't want, and I, I think emotional has a, a negative connotation and I don't think it should. Um, and I don't mean it to come across as negative. I, I think showing emo, I show emotions. Yeah. We both, sleeve. we both played LBA rather passionately. Oh <laughs> let, yeah. Let alone uh, I could imagine in our high school days. Let me tell you, I've made a few enemies on the basketball court, uh, <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, I just think it it's, that's a narrative uh, and a picture that's out there. That's just, I, I disagree with it. Just how two people can have the same react, just emotional response to something. And one gets painted as a villain and the other one gets painted as a hero. I just think is wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Um, in essence of time, because we are running up against my beloved lions game here, let's jump right into our dedicated segments of the week. Uh, I believe you have one queued up for your crackback. I do. And, and I would like to hear that. And uh, I think we'll touch on your fire breather in a later segment because I'm just okay. seeing that. And I don't hate that one either. Okay. Um, so we'll, we'll jump in with the crackback. So uh, for those who don't know, uh, my beloved, your beloved, America's beloved Houston Rockets uh, were eliminated last night from the playoffs. Um, and... I do I think that some outside influence happened maybe um, with the whole Daniel House situation. Um, so for those who don't know Daniel House, uh, it was the sixth man of the year contender. Uh, as somebody who watches Rocket Rockets basketball, he's makes a huge impact like a guy you need on the court. So not uh that's pretty much who he is. Well, there was the NBA conducted an investigation that had, and this is from Wojnarowski, so I'm going to just go ahead. Woj bomb. Yeah, we're going to call it the gospel. Um, he had the NBA had circumstantial evidence that House had a guest in his hotel room uh, prior to game number four. Correct. Uh, uh, for the Rockets. And the only evidence that, and I believe this is Shams who said this part, the only evidence they have is they have evident, video evidence of the woman walking into the hotel, and then they can see Daniel House's door room door close. And to which I say, w- what happened to innocent until proven guilty? One, <laughs> like, 
Like we have no, and two, why are we being so hush hush like about this? Like, why is this being such a, such a under wraps deal that it took three to four days really to figure out what's going on? And then five, all the reports are the woman was a coronavirus testing staff person. So she's in the bubble. Like, so if they're in their room playing Twister or if they're, <laughs> or if, or if it doesn't like, or if they're in there partaking in adult beverages, whatever they're doing, like if she's in the bubble, what protocols did he violate? Like he, he's a warm blooded male. He has needs. She has needs. They've been away from their whatevers for eight weeks in this bubble. What? Why are we punishing this? Well, I'm wondering. Yeah, I'm wondering if the she was a, a tester is even correct, or if that's being used as a way to try and cover things up and protect people as well. I, I don't know. I, I think it's probably been a little silent because it looks bad on the NBA, and so the NBA doesn't didn't really want it to come out. Um, so is your crackback that he should not have been disciplined or is the crackback that he did what he did? Um, my crackback is I don't really know what's going on. It's a very <laughs> like what what is going on situation. A lot uh, of question marks. Still, a lot definitely. of question marks. And, and, and do I think that it had the impact? Do I think Daniel House is like MVP, an elite basketball player? No. Do I think uh, this definitely impacted the series in which the Rockets and Lakers had. Uh, we'll see. Yes. Yeah, that's fair enough. That is fair enough. It was crazy to see. And then, of course, uh, Twitter went crazy with assuming who it could have been. They threw out like a couple reporters who they think it might have actually been. It was just a mess. Complete mess. Um, I've got a triple header crackback of Ooh. the week for your ears here, so I'll keep it quick. Because uh, I couldn't just pick one person. One, I started with Skip Bayless. Dak Prescott comes out, says that he's been suffering with um, some depression and mental health downswings um, in lieu of quarantine, as well as the death of his brother. Obviously, like the rest it of happens. us. Yeah, completely understandable. Um, very powerful of him to come out and kind of make that known to the public and talk about mental health. Skip Bayless basically says uh, he's weak and not somebody I want as a leader. Complete fucking buffoon. I get that you are a shock jock and like you make your money on hot takes, but that is one that you should just not touch because it makes you look inhuman and like a complete fucking idiot. Number two, big time idiot here. You may remember this name, Isaiah Wilson. We talked about him a few weeks ago because uh, he was caught at a Tennessee State University party. He was the first round draft pick of the Tennessee Titans in April, caught at a college party that gets shut down due to uh, breaking Rona violations. Police report said he thought about jumping off the off second the story balcony. balcony. Uh, so so this guy, clearly good decision maker, uh, just a few days ago, arrested for DUI <laughs> in Nashville, uh, doing donuts in an intersection, smashing to a concrete wall, blew a point one zero seven, uh, which is obviously... Oh above the legal <laughs> limit <laughs> hold 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 on let's unpack this a little bit i know we're trying to be quick doing donuts in an intersection yeah. if you've been drinking under what what like you shouldn't drive to begin with but what are you doing 
that you're doing donuts in an intersection. This dude might be the first first round pick to be cut before he ever plays a game. I mean, that's two strikes already. Oh my god. I didn't I haven't didn't see the donuts in the intersection story and that's that's a pretty crowning blow. Yeah, it's a bold move. And uh to round out our triple header here, uh Nick Saban doubled down on college game day yesterday, uh throwing out an all lives matter statement on college game day as somebody who purely profits off of uh primarily black football players. Good. Good. Bold move. Bold move, Good. Nick Saban. So that's my triple header crackback of the week. Uh, the three stooges, you could call them. Skip Bayless, Isaiah Wilson, and Nick Saban. How you doing? Keep it moving. Keep it moving. That's pretty much how I feel about those three. <laughs> let's uh, let's get into our little bit of a um, modified Fantasy Five this week. Yeah, so uh, this week, I, I, we're, I think we're going to kind of start a, a, a tradition here. Um in honor of the NFL season starting, I think uh, Ian and I are going to pick our division winners and our uh, super, who goes to the Super Bowl and who wins the Super Bowl, so cha- conference champions and uh, eventual Super Bowl winners. And then we're going to keep the receipts on those because we are all about keeping receipts here on the cutback. Um, and we're going to keep the receipts on those, and we'll revisit it uh, once the season ends and just see uh, It'll probably end up in me talking a bunch of trash, and even, <laughs> no matter how well or poorly I do. Um, so, so we're just going to go division by division, and uh, we'll just see how it goes. So, you want to start in the much weaker NFC? Let's do it. All right. So let's start in the I will say the worst division in football, the NFC East. I've got a. Uh, I got the boys still. I got the Dallas Cowboys. I, I do too. I think that's a. I think that's. A pretty, I think it's either them or Philly, and I, I just, I don't think Philly's got it. So I'm, I got the Cowboys too. Yeah, I feel pretty confident about that one. Uh, what do we got next? Next division. Let's go the North. Lions had to. Oh, oh. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm uh, gonna put my realism hat on, and I'm gonna take the Vikings uh, to win the North. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, NFC South. Saints. Saints. Yep. It's not that one. Well. That's not even close. Uh, I don't. And then the West. Ooh, this is the tough one. I got the. Uh, I got the Seahawks. Oh, dang, I too have the Seahawks. So the only the only uh, disparity would be in Ian's division, <laughs> where there might be some homerism that that bled through. Uh, but but all right. So you're three, and then you got three wild cards this year. Yep, I got the Vikings, the 49ers. And the Buccaneers. Ooh, Bucks get in. Um, so I'm. I also have the 49ers. Uh, I'm. I'm. This could be could be troublesome. Uh, but I am going to take the Rams to get in as well. Uh, and then and then uh, say it ain't so. The Detroit Lions Let's are go. my ding, my ding, ding, sneak, ding. sneak in uh, the back door uh, are going to get in. I believe is the last wild card spot. The third wild card is quite an addition. It's going to be really, really interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, yeah, and and people have been giving me crap. I, I'm not buying into this this Packers nonsense. Uh, I'm not. I'm not buying in, and I'm not buying into the Buccaneers either. I haven't bought in. I know they they look like the retired all stars out there. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm just. I'm not buying into the Buccaneers. I think it's going to take a year. Yeah, that was my toughest one at the wild card. 
Um, but I decided to go with them. Let's let's move over into the AFC. Uh, we'll start God's at the top. Conference. <laughs> the AFC North. Who you got? Uh, Baltimore. Yeah, lock it in. Uh, AFC South. Home of your Houston Texans. Tennessee. I unfortunately have got Tennessee winning this division. Um, but we'll get to. I'll, I'll we'll talk about this division here in a in a hot minute because my wild card picks will probably. Uh, will probably offend the masses. I've got uh, the Colts winning the NFC or the AFC South. That's see, that's that's a hot pick. Uh, can Philip Rivers throw it over twelve yards? I'm not sure he's going to have to. I think that um, I think that they showed last year, really in the first like eight games, that they can have a pretty good defense. They've got one of the better offensive lines in the league. I think they're going to be able to ground and pound the ball. I'm high on Michael Pittman Jr. as being a nice little um, complimentary asset to T.Y. Hilton. Um, Like any team, health is wealth. Uh, But I think the Colts, all else equal, have a have a pretty good shot to have a have a nice year in the in the AFC South. That's not a bad not bad not bad analysis there. You don't you don't get that anywhere. On that's why we have the thousands upon thousands of listeners we do. (laughs) This is what happens when you. just consume football content basically all day every day. <laughs> all right, let's move into the AFC East. Uh see this is a tough one for me. Um because I am still high on New England. Uh and and so I think uh Josh Allen has a regression year. Uh even with and, Stephon Diggs even with Stephon Diggs, and I'm going to take New England to win the East. Yeah, I took the Patriots as well. Um, I'm not betting against Cam this year. Seeing his uh, his little workout videos and just knowing what type of human that dude is, I would uh, not bet against him. Yeah, that, I've got New England. I, I just the, the Cam deal, Cam and Belichick. I'm just I think it's going to be explosive. Yeah. Yep. AFC West, Kansas City. Yeah. All right. Next, tell the <laughs> tell the bailiff to bring the next case. <laughs> uh, I'll I'll list my three wild cards first. I got the Steelers, I've got the Titans, and I've got the Bills. Oh, you left out America's team, dude. I thought the te- the Texans did not look good on Thursday. <laughs> I also right. made these picks before Thursday, um, but I was I was uh, confirmed after watching that game on Thursday. Yes, but I'll also say they got number four at quarterback, and that in and of itself should should get you. I do like Deshaun Watson a lot. I like him a lot. Um. All right. I. I wow. I'm disappointed that we lose out to Buffalo. Uh, but I'm. I'm also gonna take the Steelers. I'm gonna take the Colts. Uh, which so Ian and I kind of have a similar playoff picture. But I'm gonna sneak in, uh, the Houston Texans, as the last wild card. They're going to get in, and they might shock some people, win that first wild card game, and then lose in the divisional round as they always do. Uh, so that's that's my prediction there. All right, so we've got our divisions and our wild cards. Ian, who wins the AFC, the entire conference? Who represents the AFC in the Super Bowl? Uh, this one was a little tough for me, but I ultimately said run it back, Kansas City. See, I've got it down to KC and Baltimore. Yeah, um, same. <laughs> I think it's. It, I think those are the two chalks. Um, 
but much like you, I, I couldn't I couldn't go against Kansas City. So I've got Kansas City too. NFC, I think things are a little more interesting. Um, I've got Saints Seahawks in the NFC Championship game with uh, the fighting Pete Carrolls making it to the Super Bowl. Wow. See, I, I don't really think, know why either. I really don't know why. But, I, I think the NFC is a lot more of a boat race than the AFC. I think the AFC is more competitive um, top to bottom. I, I just think Kansas City, Baltimore, and I think Pittsburgh's going to be good. I think Tennessee, I think Tennessee's going to be okay again. Colts are rebounding. Texans are the Texans. Uh, you know, you've you still got some good teams in the AFC. Um, but the NFC, I think, is taking a step back, uh, except for one team, and that's the New Orleans Saints. And so I've got the Saints uh, running away with the NFC, and I don't think it'll be close. Um, I think they will handily, handily be representing the NFC. And so I've got Chiefs Saints in the Super Bowl compared to your Chiefs Seahawks. Yep. Who who would you have in an NFC championship game? Because I had the Saints in the championship game uh, against the Seahawks. Do you have a team that you think makes it there against the Saints? Uh, well, I mean, I need to look at my matchups um, that I drew out here. But, no, I, I really, I mean, I guess the matchup would be Seattle, would be who I would pick. But I just, I don't even think Seattle holds a candle to new orleans yeah i just i mean on paper i think new orleans is better but that could be said for the past like multiple years and they haven't been to a super bowl since like what 2010 or something uh, i don't i we'd have to go into the annals of the encyclopedia nfl like, encyclopedia it was when they beat the colts and they had like they started the right. second half with an onside kick. That was yeah, that was Katrina, wasn't it? Wasn't oh, that after the hurricane? Not in the same year, but it was in the '08 or '09, I believe. But regardless, so Super Bowl champion, who you got? Uh, I got the Kansas City Chiefs running. Yep, back. <laughs> run it back two times, two times. I I mean, I just don't. It's it's probably an easy pick, and who knows if it'll come true? But it's certainly the one I feel most confident about. Uh, yeah, and to me, they won last year, and then the Chiefs went out and got better in the yeah. offseason. It, it's it's crazy. And then that Mahomes character, like that guy, you see watching him on Thursday, like he hasn't missed a step. Like he has not missed a beat. Uh, he, he had such a pedestrian game on Thursday and, you know, just like only incompleted like four or five passes, threw for three touchdowns, had a couple drops, 200 yards, just, you know. Hanging oh, home. Another day at the office. <laughs> like it was just ridiculous to watch. A lot of fun to watch. I mean, it's it's fun to watch that entire offense play. Some of the even just some of the plays that they draw up that maybe only get five or six yards, but just they're just such beautiful. They're beautiful from a schematic standpoint. It's wow. I mean, I gotta I gotta calm down here. I'm excited. Yeah, I could have heard the bottom of the desk make a thud. <laughs> well, I mean that's at least an accurate representation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get into um we've got a little bit of a new segment here for football season. We're gonna put sign our shout outs on hold, uh, unless we have one that, that really rings true for a week. But for the most part, we're gonna put them on hold and we're gonna bring in Monday's best bet. Uh we're gonna look at Monday night football game 
and the different bets that are available. We're going to start out relatively easy, just looking at um, the spread, the money line, and the over-under. And we're going to tell you what we uh, would put our money on or are going to put our money on uh, in states in which that is a legal uh, proposition to do so. So this week, we got a lot going on because we got two Monday night games. We got the doubleheader, Steelers at Giants, Titans at Broncos. We laid everything out there. We're not going to lay it out. Uh, on the pod, but is there a, a bet that you like the best for these? Do two I need games? to pick one for each game, or do I need to pick one across the board? Uh, just one total. One total. Uh, Steelers minus five and a half. Yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> lock, lock it up. That <laughs> lock is, lock is, it up. That is as close to a sure thing as you're going to find in my eyes. Yeah. Yep. That's uh, that's what I'm going with. I'm depending on how today goes. More than likely going to throw some cash down on that tomorrow night. Uh, yeah, I think the Steelers are in for a, 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 a big win. In New York. Uh, yeah, I do too. I, un, unlike Ian, I do not have the, that cash flow to just be slinging it on betting oh. like he just, but, uh, I wouldn't but, say I have the cash flow to be doing it, but you know, I'm, I'm on my way to being addicted. So <laughs> if you need, if you need a bookie, call Ian, he's your guy. Yeah. It's uh, I've enjoyed it over the past couple of weeks. I'm still uh, I've had a little bit of a rough patch here. I've uh, I've I've lost four straight bets over the past few days. I'm still plus about twelve dollars in my career. Twelve hundred, twelve hundred. No, 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 that's a, a ten spot and two ones that you picked up <laughs> off the ground. Uh, so still playing with house money a little bit. Still playing with house money. Hoping to have a little bit of a day here today. So we'll see what happens. But I am enjoying. Did it. you bet on the Lions? No, I won't. I will never bet on the Lions. Um, don't want to jinx it either way. Good to know. Good to know. So you would never bet on Michigan either, then. Correct. Uh, yeah, correct. I would never. Just don't. <laughs> All right. Don't want to jinx it for teams that I care about. Um, I'm already gonna be in enough emotional strife, just depending on how the game goes. Like, I don't need to put the uh the money behind that one either. <laughs> That's valid. That's very valid. All right. So, anything else before we get out of here today, sir? Uh, no. Fire Bill O'Brien. Fire Bill O'Brien. Get get the uh get the campaign started. All of Houston, come together. Maybe get some corporate sponsors on board. I think Shell might be in business. You know, looking for something <laughs> yeah, to do. Something. <laughs> um. In the meantime, go ahead if you haven't already. Check us out on Instagram and Twitter at the Cutback Pod. You can listen to us every Monday on Spotify. And catch up on all of our past episodes. There's some gems in there. Sometimes we drop some absolute gems and black bangers, (laughs) and we black out immediately after. So usually we don't even know what we were talking about. So go find out. Let us know what you think. Or you can check out our website, Anchor.fm forward slash the Cutback. It's NFL Sunday. You can catch both of us on a couch of some sort for likely the next 12 hours. This has been yet another episode of the Cutback Podcast. Until next time, keep your head on a swivel and try not to get laid the fuck out.